Welcome to the Contract Artist Podcast. I'm Annie Travis, formerly known as Annie Wyrock, the founder and creator of Modern Material. In this series, I'll reveal the true story behind my company started by a group of women who work for Les Wexner. I'll provide detailed insight into the billionaire's brain that built the brands of Victoria's Secret, Pink, Bath & Body Works, The Limited, Limited 2, Express, Abercrombie & Fitch, Lane Bryant, Licenza, and more. Most importantly, I will take you on a tour of the music industry to teach you about their illegal business activities to con artists into contracts that not only steal the rights to their souls, but claim ownership of their body's brand name. Where I come from, Victoria wasn't human, and Bath & Body Works didn't sell bodies. If Heidi, Giselle, Naomi, Alessandra, Adriana, Tyra, or any of the angels wanted to quit their job, the brands we built would not go out of business. But if Britney Spears, Billie Eilish, Kanye West, Prince, or Michael Jackson wanted to quit their jobs, a lot of people profiting off their work would lose a lot of money. Do you remember when Prince changed his name to that symbol in the 90s? That was his way of rebranding his body because his name did not belong to himself. The people in my company saw a multi-billion dollar market opportunity. All we wanted to know was why the biggest sex symbol in history was only selling expensive cheap t-shirts no material girl would be caught dead in. Instead of making merchandising deals, I'd be taught that I'd end up dead if I didn't obey the rules of the boys club in the music business. I'd lose hundreds of thousands of dollars chasing my dream, but I got a free education from the devil's advocates in the city of angels. As a designer for dozens of major retailers and Les Wexner's brands, it was my job to create a product with the lowest cost that can be sold at the highest price customers will be willing to pay. If a tour t-shirt costs $40, it's because the fans know they won't be able to go home with the souvenir to show off the show they just saw. The actual cost of a generic mass-produced t-shirt made in China and imported to the US is approximately $2 per unit at wholesale. An Abercrombie & Fitch t-shirt with all the bells and whistles also cost $40. So where is the markup on tour t-shirts? Couldn't our team come in and improve the product quality and shopping experience of the tour merch business? If four females could leave a Madonna concert empty-handed, there was something seriously wrong with the merchandise being sold in her store. I spent months planning my outfit to look like Madonna, and all I could buy was an ugly t-shirt screen printed with a photo of my childhood idol. I wanted something to cherish, but I left like a virgin. The market void was so massive that I had an army fighting for the opportunity to do business with me. 
but somebody decided to get greedy. I'd even end up working with the man who discovered Madonna and signed her to her first record deal. The music industry was salivating to get involved with my fashion company, but they didn't want to share the profit with me. They wanted to force me and our manufacturers to work for free. Our industry doesn't exploit labor workers. If we did, we'd be on the line for operating sweatshops. So we outsource production to foreign countries where labor is a fraction of the minimum wage in the U.S. to increase margins. All the money from merchandise made in China and sold in the U.S. isn't going to China. It's going to the fat cats invested in U.S. corporations. Les Wexner paid us a pretty penny to work in Ohio with a posh travel budget. So I don't have much to complain about. It's the music industry that has really gotten to me. If a big box retailer, like Walmart, wants to sell a cosmetic bag for $20, as the designer, it is my job to make sure the factory in China sells it for no more than $2 per unit. As the cost of creation, product development, materials, labor, shipping, taxes, tariffs, and marketing get baked into the cost of goods, it can cost no more than $10 to give the retailer a 50% margin. When online shopping began eliminating the middleman or the malls, the supply chain took a serious beating. The retail store selling the consumer products we made in China and sold in the United States began closing at rapid speeds. That's when our team attempted to open up a new distribution channel on tours where thousands of fans walked through venue doors each night. Why was I selling couture to the rich while Madonna was selling crap to the masses? I didn't have enough customers to manufacture my own fashion line inspired by Madonna's iconic style, so I had to make everything myself. For years, the question was presented to the music industry, but they didn't want to partner with me. They wanted to con me into a contract to exploit my talent and steal Les Wexner's resources so they could build their own empire. It wouldn't be until Jeffrey Epstein was arrested at the Teterboro Airport where I spent dozens of hours commuting between Columbus and New York on Les's private jet, that I learned the truth about my business partner and lawyer. The story about how Epstein gained control of Les's money sounded very similar to how people were trying to gain control over my company. The contract artist tried to coerce me to sign a licensing deal for a pop star married to a Victoria's Secret angel, but the devil hadn't met Les Wexner's women. We documented every detail of their crimes and presented a written performance review on our lawyer attempting to extort equity and shake me down 
to become the chief operating officer of Modern Material. I told my partner, hell no, she's fired. He withdrew from the company, stating that Modern Material was no longer a viable business opportunity. That was the moment I knew he was in on something else I didn't know about. I just wouldn't know why until Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his jail cell and I went back to read thousands of emails. Who were these people? On this podcast, I'll read some of my most explosive emails, accusing them of conspiring against me instead of protecting our company in the contract. My emotions were heightened by grooming me to believe that my wildest dreams would come true if I signed a contract and promised to never back out. I was severely psychologically abused through grooming, love bombing, manipulation, misrepresentation, triangulation, gaslighting, and other tactics to make me believe that I needed to stop documenting my experience in writing. It didn't work because Les Wexner's human resources taught me to maintain a written log of inappropriate behavior if we ever needed to fire an employee. However, human traffickers don't want to leave a time-stamped paper trail of their crimes. If there are other victims of these contract artists who engage in what I call talent trafficking, I hope they will come forward and tell their stories too. The recording artists have been trying to speak out against the record business for decades, but nobody is actually listening to what they are saying. I will be searching for artists who have had a similar experience to interview about their deal with the devil. Did they get lured into the city of angels with big dreams of becoming stars? Did their parents hand their children over to a pedophile ring where their kids were sexually abused in Hollywood? What really is the price you are willing to pay for fame? I'll also analyze songs from some of the biggest stars in the world to compare stories hidden in their lyrics. When Billie Eilish says, for the debt I owe, I gotta sell my soul, cause I can't say no, no I can't say no. And the song, Bury a Friend, what does she mean? I was there the day my partner recruited Billie and her brother Phineas. She was 13 years old. I'd like to talk to recording artists or other people in professions that have been held to a debt they need to pay before they can terminate a contract to quit their job. Personally, I will never know what happens after you say yes, because I said no. Technically, I said no to allowing the lawyer my partner introduced to the company to represent modern material in the contract that stole my rights. That's how I knew something fishy was going on.
While I was working on a concept pitch for Christina Aguilera's brand, she and Demi Lovato released a video called Fall in Line. It began with two little girls being kidnapped from a field, imprisoned for years, sexually assaulted, and forced to perform on camera like their roles on Disney television shows. Billie Eilish's video for All the Good Girls Go to Hell depicted a fallen angel giving up on her own survival and going back to join the sexy figures in the flames who looked like Victoria's Secret Angels. What does the industry do to these poor kids to keep their bodies from putting their brand name out of business? Understanding labor laws to prevent Les Wexner's companies from being sued is what saved me from being forced to work for free. Many people still think of human trafficking as sexual exploitation, like Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell's operation, or bringing people in from other countries to be imprisoned in a sweatshop. However, forced labor can be obtained through illegal means and prevent the worker from leaving the situation. I was never willing to sign the contract, but what would have happened if I did? The Department of Homeland Security states that forced labor occurs when individuals are compelled against their will to provide work or service through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Indicators of forced labor take place at any point during the recruitment and employment process. Forced labor could begin during the worker's recruitment to force the acceptance of the job, to deceive the worker into an exploitative job, or to create a situation of debt bondage by charging recruitment fees that are virtually impossible for the workers to repay. Once the person is working, an employer may also force, defraud, or coerce the victim to perform work not agreed to at the time of recruitment. A worker may agree to do a job, find the conditions are not what were expected and agreed upon, but be prevented from leaving the job by their employer. This describes my experience attempting to do business in the music industry by starting a new company. Dozens of recording artists have described the same process. Those who get trapped admit they sold their souls to the devil, but he sounds like a bunch of human traffickers. If it sounds too good to be true, then there is probably a catch if you sign a contract that gives you a million dollars before you've earned it.
the artist takes a million dollar advance on a record deal, they have to pay double, if not more, back for the money they essentially borrowed. So if you're the parents of a 13-year-old girl, do you really want to take a $2 million debt out on her obligations to work for a bunch of sleazy old men in the music industry? How much would you borrow to buy a house knowing you have to work 20 years to pay it back? Probably not as much money as it would cost to sell your daughter's soul before she's old enough to vote. I was there the day Billie Eilish entered the recruitment process. Her lyrics resonate in my soul. As soon as she turned 18, her image was converted into the iconic blonde bombshell like Britney Spears. And we all know where that story goes. But what about all the kids and aspiring young artists who never make it? How do they pay the double back? The main difference in Modern Material's story was that I was a fashion designer, but I was not the one manufacturing the units of clothing to be sold. An artist is fully capable of producing their own music and providing it as a digital download or uploading it to a streaming platform without needing additional labor to produce each unit of their songs. Of course, the music industry wanted to control the capital from each unit of clothing sold because you can't download cotton or poly. My contract would have violated extensive labor laws to force Modern Material to deliver the physical goods. When they knew they screwed up, they disappeared like cockroaches. When I knew they conspired to take over control of my company, I went on a Twitter rant attempting to expose the truth. The cover-up continued, shutting down my YouTube channel and having Twitter's lawyers issue me a warning. Delete the truth. scratching the surface of what they had planned for me. Just because I escaped doesn't mean I wasn't harmed financially, emotionally, and psychologically from this criminal operation. I want my story to be told, not covered up in a legal battle where a settlement could shut me up. My emails to my partner, legal advisor, and friends provided detailed accounts of the situations that made me uncomfortable. I feared being trapped in a situation where I was forced to work and deliver on unrealistic expectations for an apparel brand. I noticed behaviors that weren't professional. They were criminal. Coercion is the broadest description of blackmail. It's a threat to harm you if you don't obey. There wasn't any material to blackmail me, such as a sex tape. It's highly possible I was supposed to fall for a romantic and sexual affair that could have destroyed my marriage, but I didn't at the time. It would be two years later, during the cover-up, when doubt began to divide my husband and me, 
ultimately leading to a divorce. What did my business partner really say to my husband in a private meeting when we attempted to offer him a million dollar recoupment fee when the company achieved profitability? Who says no to a million dollars that they already earned? We didn't want him to come back later and claim his 50% share of modern material, but he knew the business was never going to be a success. I didn't fall in love where I could be blamed for being a crazy emotional woman, angry about being rejected. I was there to do business. The fear tactics didn't make me fall in line either. They fired me up to go on attack. When somebody puts you in a vehicle and begins driving erratically while screaming at you to never back out and to obey their orders, it is meant to instill the fear of death. I did not take it as a death threat at the time, but as I gripped the door handle while the vehicle weaved in and out of traffic for 30 minutes down the 10 to the 405 at 80 to 90 miles an hour, I thought I was going to die if my partner lost control or somebody on the road wasn't paying attention. I was pleading with him to slow down. His explosive behavior was so unprofessional, so I thought maybe he was bipolar. I agreed to behave, promising to never back out of modern material, but after that terrifying night on the LA freeways, I started getting very suspicious. A few days later, he happened to run into an old friend who ran a tour merchandise company and could be the perfect chief operating officer for modern material. By the second meeting with her, I felt like she was completely wrong for the business. They make music, not clothing. So why did the two of them have more power than me in this company?
Each day, the stress began to pick up speed. The yelling and screaming continued over the phone. My emotions were heightened. The only way I could think rationally was to spend hours composing an email. But he didn't want me to put anything in writing. He told my husband that he needed to read my emails before I hit send to make sure I didn't say anything negative that would upset him. I called him an asshole for trying to control me. I knew they were conspiring behind my back, but I didn't know why. It wasn't just about his male ego getting bruised. He let her be a bitch to me, the founder of the company. It made no sense. How are they going to operate an apparel company? Did they know how to make clothing? I was promised all my dreams would come true if I said yes to everything they told me to do. Deals with the biggest stars in history were on the table, but I just needed to sign one contract to prove to the investor that his $2 million investment would give him a return. I agreed to a simple two-page contract with a pop star married to a Victoria's Secret angel and offered a fair 50-50 split of the profit. We'd make the clothing line and his band would sell it to their fans online. I took the bait, but the switch was a 17-page contract that forced me to do everything for free and give up all rights to our property. When I expressed my concerns about our responsibilities and the lack of funding to deliver on the deal holding us liable for a million dollars, my lawyer called me a crybaby. She told me I was getting ahead of myself and I just needed to sign the first deal before she was willing to lift a finger. I was thinking, bitch, you buy cheap mass-produced t-shirts to print band logos and throw them in a cardboard box five days before tour. Don't tell me how to build a fashion brand and sell it in the mall. She spoke to me in condescending tones, saying, Annie, you're such a baby. You don't even know what hard work is. Sometimes I only have three weeks to deliver on a deal. Quit being so melodramatic. Do you want an Oscar for all your hard work? at the kitchen table, clenching my teeth and glaring at her. HR taught me how to keep my cool. No swearing, no name calling, and certainly no brawling during a business meeting. I just wanted to jump over the table, punch her in the face, pull her hair out, and give her a piece of my mind. But my partner was sitting there watching me. 
I thought he would see why she made me so nervous and how disrespectful she was to the owner of the company who she wanted to work for. She stood up and said she was leaving because she wasn't going to take all the melodrama. He stood up and threatened to back out of modern material unless I played nice because it wasn't fun for him anymore. He said he only wanted to work with people he liked, and if she was out of the company, so was he. I left shaking. I was furious, but I feared everything would fall apart. I tried to call him after I left, but he was too busy texting my husband, making threats to get me to play nice, or he was backing out of modern material. It was April 2016, and the business venture agreement was made in October 2015. I lost so much money working without getting paid so I was at their mercy to make sure the deal was made. He later agreed that we could get rid of her, but only if she negotiated the first deal. I didn't even read the contract when I said there was no way in hell I trusted her to represent the company. I told him she was fired and I was bringing in an experienced licensing attorney. I provided a written report on her performance, listing the expectations she failed to meet and her inappropriate behavior. 10 minutes later, he withdrew from modern material, stating that it was no longer a viable business opportunity. Oddly, he informed our team and the other party in the contract before having a private discussion with me, the owner of the company. What they didn't understand was I was trained by Les Wexner to keep a written record of inappropriate behavior so we could fire an employee. What I didn't know until four years later was that this woman, who was shaking me down to become the chief operating officer of Modern Material, was from a family who were close friends and associates of Bill and Hillary Clinton. I knew nothing about politics. I had heard about Pizzagate, but I didn't believe that Hillary Clinton was operating a child sex trafficking business out of a pizza joint in New Jersey. It sounded crazy. But then I found out my boss was funding Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking business, and that sounded even crazier. questionable crime I knew at the time was that my business partner had been arrested on January 6, 2006 for drugging and kidnapping an underage girl. While he was out on $1 million bail, his own 14-year-old daughter drowned in the bathtub. Charges were dropped and his career in music and Hollywood skyrocketed. 
He had a sob story as a grieving father to gain sympathy. And that's exactly what he used to control me. Guilt over making his life worse than it already was. I felt heartbroken for him. Only I started Monarch Material to help a grieving mother cope with the suicide of her teenage son. I knew exactly how much energy it took to help a grieving parent deal with their trauma. The selfish side of me didn't want the burden. I wanted a successful business. After Epstein's suspicious suicide and the details of Les Wexner's involvement surfaced, I knew how to go back to my emails and find the motive, means, and opportunity. Who was conspiring against me? When did it begin? And what did I not know? My lawyer just seemed like an average woman who sold tour t-shirts. Nobody with any merchandising experience Les Wexner would have been impressed by. But what I'd later discover was just how deep the rabbit hole in her family would go. Back to the 90s when her dad extorted Bill Clinton for a role as the ambassador to Finland. I also figured out that her former boss jumped off a building to his death two weeks before Ghislaine Maxwell's arrest. What the hell did I almost get myself into? I have chosen not to reveal the names on this podcast yet. Not until I know my true story can't be silenced. On monarmaterial.com, you will find some of the emails, contracts, business plans, and design decks showing all the names of the people involved and the celebrities we were hoping to work with. My Monarch Material emails are available for pre-order. Since they succeeded to destroy my company and drain my life savings to cover up their crimes, then I'm going to capitalize on trying to connect all the dots in their conspiracy. Maybe there's somebody else out there who was scammed by the same group of people. Or maybe I was special and this group of people really did see a market opportunity that only Les Wexner's women could tap into. And if you're really into conspiracy theories, you might find clues connected to Jeffrey Epstein, Pizzagate, Petawood, and the Illuminati. I'm not some crazy conspiracy theorist. I'm the victim of a conspiracy, a con artist who tried to con me into signing a contract. I'm Annie Travis and more full episodes of The Contract Artist by Modern Material will be published this fall. If you're an artist, designer, or small business in the United States, I'd like to invite you to join season one to market your products or services in our fictional story. Please leave me a voicemail on Anchor or send an email to Annie at modernmaterial.com and I may share your questions, comments, or schedule an interview.
Next year, when the Season 1 investigation begins, you can sell your inventory to save your soul. Thank you for listening.